Hey, Travis Rogers here. When you're not listening to me on the Lakers pre- and post-game shows, tune in to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, where she goes beyond the play and focuses on athletes, fans, and the biggest events that inspire and shape our community. Listen to The Experience with Laferne Cusack, Sundays, 5 to 6 a.m. ESPN LA 710. Welcome to ESPN LA. I'm Laferne Cusack speaking with Reverend Dr. Joseph Bryant, Jr., Executive Director of King, K-I-N-G, Knowledge, Inspiration, and Nurture Through God. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming back. Let's talk about how you mix sports with knowledge and inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, thank you so much for for giving me a chance to be with you again. You're just phenomenal. I love your show, love what you do. Thank Uh, you. So it's a privilege just to be on with you. Um, I have been working with professional athletes and their families for about 20 years. And over the course of that time, uh, you know, start off just as a spiritual advisor in, in that context, you know, giving support to families and players as they transitioned into their post uh, careers. And uh, that evolved into helping some players who wanted to do specific work in their community uh, to go back to their uh, homes or to their neighborhoods or to their schools, establish nonprofits, uh, do community projects, those kind of things. And then from that, it evolved into some business development, uh, wanting to establish uh, new jobs or new opportunities for revenue development, uh, entrepreneurship uh, chances, developing their business network. And so over time, it's just continued to be a positive snowball, really. And, uh, you know, working uh, over the past uh, 12 years or so, uh, with Reverend Jesse Jackson, had a chance to begin building out a sports platform for him, um, working with uh, Isaiah Thomas, the original Isaiah Thomas, the bad boy <laughs> Isaiah Thomas. Uh, no disrespect to the current Isaiah, but working with uh, with uh, with Zeke, uh, the original Isaiah Thomas, we began to do workshops and trainings for athletes so they can kind of see what opportunities existed and educate them on everything around financial management, literacy, to uh, being able to, you know, again, prepare for that career transition. And in doing so, you know, I've just had a chance to meet a lot of people between uh, my own network of players and then uh, working with Reverend Jackson, going to events, and then connecting with the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, uh, NCAA, working with a lot of leaders in those uh, leagues so that we could help them, you know, hit the rubber where rubber where it meets the road in terms of, you know, what can they do to do more community work, help players, help athletes. And so over time, you know, just being in those various circles, I got a chance to meet Chris Broussard. And at the time, he was with ESPN, and uh, we connected. He had heard of me. Obviously, I had heard of him. And uh, he had started a nonprofit known as KING. And KING, as you mentioned, is uh, an acronym for Knowledge, Inspiration, and Nurture Through God. And uh, Chris's vision was to empower men to fulfill their God-given potential in every realm of life. Uh, being able to equip them with the tools they need uh, to be leaders in their homes and communities and on their jobs and in their church. And uh, what started off as a prayer group and an accountability group among some brothers he was with in his home uh, area of New Jersey evolved into uh, a chapter-based program around the country where several cities had small groups of brothers getting together as King chapters, and they were having monthly 
Bible study, prayer, those kind of things, and uh, doing some community work as well. And uh, Chris just kept pouring his vision out, and I told him at one point that, you know, there's so many amazing things you want to do to help men and help families and help communities. I can help you build this out. Let's take advantage of, you know, the respect that you have uh, within your industry, the people that you're connected to, and let's maximize our impact with your vision. And so a couple of years ago, when it was the two year, excuse me, the 50 year anniversary of the assassination of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, we did an event in Memphis. And the event in Memphis was a real ex- expanded launch into what we thought we could do around the country, which was more mentoring of not only adult men, but younger men, uh, helping with some real resources, connecting with other organizations like the Douglas Leadership Institute, our Daily Bread, other companies that wanted to touch. Uh, African-American men, in particular men of color in general, uh, to just help them to be the best they could be. And so we are now doing some really cool things, and and, um, I'm glad to be on with you today because we're getting close to Super Bowl time. You know, Mm -hmm. we're midway the, the NFL season, and one of the biggest events that we're doing now is called The Huddle, and we do it in collaboration with uh, Troy Vincent, uh, the executive vice president of the NFL, and we do a, an event in whatever Super Bowl city. So we'll be in Miami in, in uh, late January, and this year's event is going to be at an HBCU, Florida Memorial, and we're going to have 500 college and high school students that are wow. going to come to hear uh, inspiring messages from athletes. This past year we were at Morehouse, and we had uh, Hall of Famers that were there and NFL, you know, royalty, you know, Aeneas Williams and Brian Dawkins and, and uh, Greg Jennings, along with Chris and Troy. And it was just an amazing uh, undertaking. And, and we just decided to amp it up this year. And we're doing a big event at Florida Memorial. Um, we're going to be a part of some mentoring and some uh, business development for students as well as uh, having a celebrity golf tournament to raise money to help support students in need. So, yes, I, I'm just, you know, whatever comes to my hands, I'm just <laughs> going to do the best. I'm doing the best I can, Laverne, to make it all work. You're oh, using yeah. yourself up. You are doing it. <laughs> Listen to you. This is awesome. So can you talk about how with the King Movement, what, what, did you do to focus on these particular things about mentorship? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you, how did you, I don't want to say whittled it down, but how did you go about focusing on your mission? Great question. Great question. Um, as I was, uh, you know, working with Chris initially and we were just uh, trying to manage uh, the, the chapters that were around the country, again, small groups of brothers, sometimes 10, 20, you know, 30 brothers in each city that were gathering to have these, uh, you know, weekly or say monthly gatherings um, to empower themselves, it became obvious to me that this could really grow in, in various areas because there's so many needs within uh, the African-American and other underserved communities. And so I, I was sharing with Chris, you know, because of his platform, people are going to have suggestions and ideas as to what they what we can support we can support you know men coming out of incarceration we can support men who are struggling with you know addiction we can support men in various areas of life struggle and at some point we would have to define what that would look like you know are we going to you know support 
you know, men who are having health challenges. You know, there's prostate, pro- prostate cancer initiatives, and there are other things that we could support. And wherever, you know, he lends his voice as, you know, someone who's well-known in, in, in a celebrity fashion, uh, that would be a meaningful contribution to that area of community and support uh, in, that, in that way. And so um, it became obvious to me that as we were reaching out to men, um, we were also inviting them to bring their sons. And so as a evolution of the programs we were doing um, in some of the cities and some of the chapters they were doing, uh, you know, uh, boys to men kind of gathering or barbershop talks around, mm-hmm. you know, true manhood. Uh, and then Chris even wrote a journal that has become a, a teaching tool called True Manhood. And I said, well, there it is, Chris. I think it's a really important place for us to land, for us to not only be a blessing and benefit to adult males, you know, where they are now, but let's really impact the next generation. And that, you know, jives so well with, with Chris because he's always been speaking at colleges. You know, he's, he does a lot of work, um, you know, outside of what he does as a sports analyst and journalist and, and uh and on talk shows and whatnot, he speaks at colleges a lot and does a lot of things where he's, you know, really wanting to give back to the next generation. And so between his passion and what was evolving with the programs that we were already doing, it made sense that our biggest platform would become the mentoring pieces that we could implement. And so we looked at that, and that's why this year at uh, Super Bowl in Atlanta, we wanted to go to Morehouse. We wanted to be able to have that kind of impact. And, you know, Troy Vincent was really instrumental in helping us make connections there because his heart is for the next generation as well. And so, you know, a lot of times as we look at life, it's great to be able to help, you know, a 40-year-old, but, even be, you know, there's even more value at times when we look at it. You know, if we can um, build a young man opposed to repairing an older man, hmm. then, you know, there's a lot of benefit to that. And so what we decided to do it was as we continue to touch adult men in their, in their context of life, let's make a priority uh, reaching younger men. And so, you know, I think it was just, you know, the right time in terms of, uh, you know, Chris's heart, our opportunity, and the resources that I had, at, you know, at my disposal, being a former educator and, and really knowing, um, you know, the teaching uh, context, you know, being a former teacher and, and really, you know, running programs for youth over the years, I said, this is a place we can go and people will be excited about, you know, the fact we're contributing to a community where we know so many of our young men are growing up in single-parent right. households, they're growing up, you know, without seeing positive male role models. And so that was, you know, the synergy that brought us to the point of prioritizing mentorship. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, Chris made some remarks and did a video around HBCUs and the values they have. And so we've been able to mesh a lot of that together with what we're launching uh, at, at, at Florida Memorial. Here we are being able to touch young people, student athletes, and HBCU all at one time. Mm-hmm. And we plan to do a lot more of that through 2020. We're actually building out um, a, a plan where we have, you know, once a month we're able to go to an HBCU and, and we're talking with several of them so that we can have impact on that generation. So it was just a, a, a blessing of timing and synergy an opportunity, and we're going to make the best of it to try to help the next generation. Dr. Bryant, there are a lot of people that talk about our next generation of leaders. Talk about how you are building that leadership, because 
some people are really dismayed about how we don't it doesn't look like we have future leaders coming around like another Dr. King. Right, right, right. That's a great point. And I think what is evolving for us in this generation, it, and I think it's, it's really a good thing, is that people recognize that everyone has individual responsibilities, but we're all better together. You know, it's really a, a scenario where um, it, it, it may not be just one single voice, it may be groups of voices. If you look at uh, over the past several years, you know, movements that have happened, you know, like Black Lives Matter. Um, most people don't know who the founder of Black Lives Matter is, but they know Black Lives Matter has made a huge impact, has made people aware of the fact that there are so many injustices that are deemed against uh, young men of color uh, by the police and, and by the system. And so Black Lives Matter as a movement has taken a, a, a leadership role in helping to bring voice and visibility to an issue of importance and value. And so I think things like that that happen, it's really a blessing to see this generation of younger uh, adults and young adults and even some youth recognize the power of their boy, voice and the power of collaboration. And so yeah. we have causes that we get behind. I've over the years worked with women in sports and, and women's opportunities in diversity and inclusion. And I love, you know, the movements like lean in that, you know, allow women to speak their truth and know that, you know, as a group, there needs to be more opportunities for business for women. And, and, you know, it's just so many different things of that nature. We're doing a collaboration now that's going to be officially launched in 2020 between the King movement and a hundred black men and the hundred black men of America. It's not 100 black men. It's just the, it's, that's the name of the historic organization has been mm -hmm. around for decades now. Right. But again, it's groups of men that come together, pool their resources, their ideas, their strength of their network, and they make things happen. And so I, I believe that this generation is embracing the fact that we have our strength in voice. And if I can be Bay area representing right quick strength in numbers, even though our warriors are falling apart, that is a powerful theme yes. that they for the past five years, which is strength in numbers. And so I see um, the next generation and really those of us that are still young enough to engage in this, you know, culture in this time, we're taking advantage of the idea that we are better together. Do you feel that a lot of the young people may see what's happening in our leadership in America a crumbling of what was and a rise of what's to come, which is, I believe, strength? Sure, that's a great point. I think one of the things that happens in darkness is it gets, gives light an opportunity to shine even brighter. And, um, and so the things that are happening that we are unfortunately having to manage, deal with, stomach, you know, uh, address, uh, it does bring us to a place of uh, collating our resources of strength and our strength in our voices and in our votes and in our collective um, ability to make a difference. You know, unfortunately, a lot of things are connected to the political arena that has so many different layers of complication, you know, in terms of how things move and the needle seems to be, you know, different at that level. But in terms of where we live, the grass meeting, you know, where the people, the grassroots of where people live and care, I see a lot of folks just saying, hey, I, there's something I don't like. There's something happened that I, I'm bothered by. I'm affected in a negative way. 
Let me know what I can do. Where do I come? Where do I meet? Where do I stand? Where do I walk? How do I engage? Um, and then, you know, digit, digital, you know, tools and technology allows people to, you know, come together using social media for positive ways. You know, there's a lot of negative stuff on social media, but, you know, there's some positive things that can happen, too, in terms of the sharing of ideas and connecting with people. And so I think that the, the negative side of the ugly uh, things that are happening with some leaders as well as in some situations um, can now be combated by the passion and the ability of people in this generation to get involved. And I think there's now a greater confidence to engage. I know when yes. I was growing up and I just, I just turned 50, I, you know, I, I feel 40 and I, and I, I may look 30, <laughs> but I, I am 50. Um, but, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have a whole lot to say about a whole lot of anything because, you know, we were 80s babies. We were just enjoying, you know, living in a material world and greed is good. <laughs> right. And, you know, we didn't really say much and we weren't really exposed to much. And, you know, I think what's happened now is that young people are seeing, you know, what's happening. It's, it's lived out before them 24 hours a day. They have access to information. And, you know, there's a sense of positive consciousness, which I love, and I get to see it in the high school students, you know, whether it be my own two amazing uh, students, you know, kids that are in high school, senior and, and sophomore, Josiah and Joy, wow. or if it's in the high schools that I visit in places where Chris is speaking, you know, college campuses and whatnot, there's a real sense of commitment to causes and obligations to impact uh, that's refreshing. You know, it's, it's very akin to what my parents' generation were about back in the 60s during civil rights with, with Martin Luther King and, you know, the movement that happened because in as much as we revere and appropriately so Martin Luther King, you know, my mother was, was, was heavily involved in civil rights, the civil rights movement, marched with Dr. King, and she talked, you know, to us growing up about how the colleges and how the youth were so engaged in what King's message was that there was a movement happening. They didn't have, you know, cable TV and social media like we do, so people didn't even know the impact that was happening, you know, on the ground. And so I think a lot of that's happening now, and it's happening with a fresh eye towards, you know, young people knowing that they can make a difference. And so in as much as they're getting turned off by some of what they see, it's also turning them on to making a difference in what they can do and how they can use their their place in life to be change agents themselves. Absolutely. And one thing that uh, rings out for me is like when you came on before you were talking about the mentor mentorship part of mentoring athletes and their mindset mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. how when they come into a, a league, how they can be totally like ripped apart through what's happening around them and what you do to build them up what tools do you use in this in mentoring these young men with the king program that's great that is a great 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 question i i i'm so glad you asked because we've had this conversation so much recently because we wanted to be specific in what we can provide um when we last uh spoke you know i was talking about uh, young people or, or, you know, athletes in particular being ready to hear what opportunities exist. And I mentioned that even then, I believe that, you know, one of the things I get great joy out of is when people want to learn and want to find out what they don't know 
so that they can have the tools to do some great, greater things. And so um, the, the hunger to uh, be the best you can be is already inside of athletes. And so what we do is we provide in that context just more tools for the toolkit. You know, it's, it's, you know, guess what? I know you've been running the ball all this time, but you can actually, there's a thing called a forward pass. Let me show you the forward <laughs> pass, right? right? So you've been running the ball and running the ball, but guess what? We're going we're gonna to show you this forward pass. It's going to blow your mind. And so that's kind of how I look at mentoring in general. It, it's taking the skills that are already there and maybe just adding more tools to the toolbox. You know, fast forward to, to what King provides. You know, it, it's the same idea that, you know, we're providing resources, you know, to people, but we're also, which is another passion point of mine, maximizing the voice of the popular, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, you know, it, my work individually has been, let me help athletes find their path. And part of that path oftentimes is using your celebrity, your, your popularity to help other people. And, and so Chris is wired the same way. And so, you know, him being a respected journalist, 20 plus years, you know, uh, you know, going all the way back to his days with, you know, uh, the Cleveland Plain Dealer and, you know, New York Times and all this, you know, he's been around a long time and he's yes. done a lot of great things and people know who he is. And I said, you know, that's that's part of it. And then you connect that with the athletes that he knows and, connect, and has connected to, the athletes I know have been connected to, you know, we can call in for, you know, for favors and say, hey, guys, can you come? And speak to these kids because a lot of times it's the same message, but coming out of a different mouth. And so what, what we're able to do is through King utilize the resources at our disposal and we bring athletes in to talk to kids with the same messages they may be hearing at home and church and school and everywhere else. But it's coming from, you know, a guy who played in the NFL or a right. NBA player or it's coming, you know, and all of a sudden now my eyes are big and my ears are open and I'm ready to receive. And it's the same thing that I heard, you know, that I heard 25 times from my coach. But now I'm hearing it from, you know, somebody who played in the league. And now it makes sense. Now I'm paying attention. And so much of what we're doing in the realm of mentoring just starts with, you know, wanting to teach young people about respect and character and being the best you can be. And we do different exercises in and around the age-specific context. And we have, you know, groups like the Fatherhood Initiative coming out of Washington, D.C. that come in sometimes and do trainings. And we have, you know, different uh, leaders in education who have, you know, some really great mentoring tools that will contribute to some of the things that we offer. But one of the coolest things we are able to do is bring in athletes to validate the point or to expand the point because they're so uh, revered in our community. And, and we've been very blessed. I can be honest with you about this. We've been very blessed and fortunate that even the athletes we're bringing in now, they are, you know, they're authors, they're, they're educators. These are guys that have actually gone back to school. And so sometimes we can bring an athlete to an event and they can do the whole event themselves. They don't yeah. need a teacher or an educator, <laughs> you know. They're, you know, we, we, we brought in, you know, uh, and I'll give a shout-out to uh, Eton Thomas, former NBA player. He's just, a, you know, he's so humble, but I call him a genius. He's, de- he's, he's so deep, and I love what he has to say. He talks about a lot of things. He, he addresses issues as they come up in society and culture, but he also mentors young people, and he knows how to reach kids, and he walks in the door you know, he's, you know, he still looks like he could be balling right now. Yeah. He's, he's written books about mentorship and what it means to be a young uh, man of character and things like that. 
And so we can put him in a room and he can just go, you know. <laughs> and so there are moments like that where you just say, yeah, we want people like that who are able to connect with young people and give them messages about leadership, about character, about respecting yourself and respecting others, respecting women, respecting authority, respecting, the, you know, police. And, and so we're able to do those kind of things. And that's a lot of what we're, you know, setting up for our collaboration with 100 Black Men of America and doing the same kind of work. And uh, and so, you know, we bring in partners that can contribute because I believe, again, we're better together. And so mm-hmm. resources that others may have that we can utilize. Our Daily Bread is one of our strongest collaborators. We, we launched a huge partnership with them this year, and they have resources of every kind that we're able to make available to uh, those that are connected to the King movement. And so we are able to provide, you know, access to resources. But when we do our own event, we bring in, you know, these former athletes and sports personalities and, and in, even entertainers. You know, we had Michael T. Williamson at our event in, uh, uh, in March this year, and he was just amazing. He could speak to every generation. You know, he's been around a long time. He's, he's been a wonderful actor. He was, you know, uh, you know the shrimp guy from, from, yep. uh, from mm-hmm. Forrest Gump. And, you know, so his, his track record is so long, people respect and want to hear what he has to say. But he was so passionate about, you know, what he experienced as a young man and how he was giving to the young men in the audience that were listening to him. So, you know, we're just fortunate that, you know, we have a lot of people that want to be a part of a platform where we're trying to help for the greater good, and they want to do it because they have a heart for the greater good as well. Yes, absolutely. Dr. Bryan, I'm going to take that piece out and play it over and over and over again when someone <laughs> says athletes should stick to basketball or football or whatever sport and actors should stick to acting instead of speaking out. That is the reason why they're using their celebrity, their status, so young people can hear what they might not hear from their mom and dad or their cousins or people out on the street. It's it's so it's so amazing, and yeah, it's it's ludicrous that anyone would question the the validity and need of that. And right, and, and you know, and part of it, you know, I you know some of it, I guess, from a sociological. If I you know put on my you know I got my bachelor's degree in sociology, my yeah. undergrad. If I put on my sociologist hat for a minute, do if it, you do don't it. Have those right. <laughs> if you don't have those needs in your community, you don't know that those needs exist. Yes, you know, just plain and simple. So if you come up very privileged with, you know, everybody in your neighborhood has a mom and dad who's gone to college and everybody in your neighborhood is living in a house that they own and everybody in your neighborhood household is is $150,000 a year and everybody can go to private school if they want to and everybody has access to all these internships and opportunities and everybody knows a lawyer, a doctor and and all these other people that are professionals and millionaires and multimillionaires. If your world is like that, then no, you don't need anybody else to come in and reemphasize anything because right. you've lived it all your life. But if you've grown up in an un, you know underserved, under you know uh, under attended uh, area of poverty and a single parent household and listening to gunshots and dealing with all kinds of issues and you know crack dealers and, and and addicts on the street, you need somebody to come in and tell you that there's hope. And so for us, you know, I and, and here you know here I am. At, you know, preacher of the gospel, pastor of the church, all that good stuff. And I recognize that there are things that an athlete can say 
that will be heard much better than I can as a preacher. Yep. So my job as a preacher is to make sure they say it real nice and real good. And, <laughs> and <to> come, <laughs> ah, but I'd rather live, you know, and I can say in the background, you know, I don't have, you know, unlike some of my colleagues that want to grab a mic at every turn, I will stay in the background and let these guys go, you know, and yes. I, and I am very committed to that. And I love the fact that, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work with athletes that do just that with their platform and they do it without any fanfare. They're not, you know, not trying to get a lot of attention. And so what we are trying to do now is bring some attention to these things. And so, you know, I'm still, you know, represent Reverend Jackson, uh, Jesse Jackson and the Rainbow Push Coalition with their initiatives in sports. And one of the reasons why we do what we do is to bring positive light to things that nobody else is talking about. And so when, when we were able to start technology programs in the Bay Area because of collaborations with Silicon Valley, we wow. attached them to, you know, we were able to, to connect with Jason Kidd and his team. And Jason decided to not only renovate a basketball gym, but to build out a tech lab in the same park and rec in Oakland that he grew up in. Fantastic. And we were right there to do an event where the kids would do coding and STEM in the morning and basketball in the afternoon that was under the Jason Kidd umbrella. And so, again, that's why they can't just shut up and dribble because there are too many good things that they can provide. And to watch the kids get excited about opportunities to be a part of what he was doing and Antonio Davis and other guys that came in to speak to the kids. And then we did events, you know, events in Chicago and Atlanta, same thing. Bernard King comes in and talks. You know, they don't even, you know, the kids weren't even alive when Bernard King played, but he's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. So when he comes in and talks, they listen, you know. And, and you know, Choo Choo Smith, one of my favorite guys in the world, he was a Harlem Globetrotter. He comes into an event we do in Chicago, he's dribbling the ball on his head and he's flipping it <laughs> under his, you know, and, and all of a sudden they're paying attention. Right. And the whole message was, Stay in school and learn learn STEM. You know, yes. I mean, it's like if we can use those tools that we have, because you know we don't have the same network of doctors, lawyers, and 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 CPAs and all these mm-hmm. people of high ilk in our in our community. Generally, you know, our heroes have you know been our entertainers and our athletes, and so therefore. That's, you know, something we've got to utilize, and that's why I value so much the opportunity to put it together that way. This is ESPN LA 710. I'm Laferne Cusack speaking with Executive Director Reverend and Dr. Joseph Bryan Jr. for King Movement. So you're... One of your core values, culturally building, culturally conscious young men. Do you find that uh, their thought process is open to bringing in those type of programs, being culturally conscious and aware of their community? You know, that's a great question. I think there are enough athletes who want to do enough good Um the resource, one of the resources that I'm able to bring to the table is I know how to put together a program and plan that they may be thinking about or may want to do, but just don't know how to do. Ah, so not, right. not every, not every, you know, I mean, again, a professional athlete, just like in any other profession, your skill set may not be organizational management. It right. may not be administration. It may not be, you know, these other things that require a certain skill to bring things together. And so, um, if I can work alongside an athlete 
or sports personality or, you know, some other individual of, of means and value and, and name recognition. And I can bring my skills as an organizer, as administrator, all the things that I've done in the past in and around uh, community building, community engagement, then the plan can go in place. And so uh, a lot of times the athletes want to do it. They don't know how to do it. They don't know who can help them do it. And, you know, that's one of the reasons I stay so busy is because I've been uh, around athletes so long that that I've become a trusted uh, individual. And I was Mm -hmm. with a former NFL player this week who now, you know, has a wonderful job in corporate America and he's doing phenomenally. I think he may be in his mid-30s, but he left NFL, went back to school, got his MBA, and now he's doing really well. And he was asking me questions about the transition and you know he's fortunately in a good space right now but he said to me you know how can we help and he was basically asking me to help him build out a program to help other guys because so many guys just don't know what to do mm-hmm. it's not that they don't want to do it they just don't know how to do it and so you know i'm i'm very grateful and humbled that even though i never played professional sports i've been around long enough to have some cred and people can come to me and know we can work out, you know, either building out a platform, having you speak at a school, yep. having you engage in your community. Uh, but we want to continue to do more of that. I mean, I just got a text before you called from a, a brother friend of mine who works, you know, in Brooklyn. And he's, you know, doing a phenomenal job with athletes in New York. He's building out programs where athletes go into those communities in Brooklyn. And, you know, that's what it's going to take. And he never played sports either, but he's a trusted guy in the basketball world. And so he's you connecting you know, guys that want to go into the community and have, you know, a, a, a meaningful contribution, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they do that. And so that's really where it is. I mean, they, they may not know how to do what they want to do, but those of us can, that can come alongside, that's where we come in to help them make the difference they want to make. One thing you touched on was some people may not know how to navigate through whatever world they're trying to or, mm. or trying to accomplish. So for mm-hmm. me, I really didn't know about internships when I was in college. And mm-hmm. when people come to me and they're, they're like, hey, how do I get in broadcasting? You know, I want to be mm-hmm. on ESPN. Mm-hmm. I want to do this. <laughs> I'm like, you need to get an internship. I sure. didn't realize how important that was at that level. Mm-hmm. Building mm-hmm. contacts, building, you, you know, your relationships, building your network mm-hmm. to make your network, you know? No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. And that's, and that's good. Again, you, you're amazing. So I'm not surprised that that's what you do. You, you help you. You're, you're, you're influencing young people. You're sharing your, your wisdom, your experience, which is awesome. And I, you know, uh, I value uh, people like you who are in positions where the public gets to see you perform, but they don't realize that behind the scenes you're having some real, you know, heart to heart impact on people because of the things that you just mentioned. So I, you know, that gets me excited because sometimes, you know, again, young people from, from underserved communities, you know, areas of, you know, of poverty and struggle. And sometimes just people that, you know, maybe first generation going to college or maybe, you know, it wasn't a part of their world to know that internships exist. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be around some students of means um, because of where I live in the Bay area. And I get the chance to see what it is to have, you know, kind of as a norm that, you know, every kid, you know, in certain silos that I deal with, you know, every kid's parents and neighbors and friends 
they all have these architectural firms and law firms and everything. Right. So they, you know, internships are kind of normal, right? right. So it's like, yeah. it's, you know, they kind of just know that they're going to be interning somewhere. It's oh. like, you know, it's just a given. Right. Or and, traveling and, and, abroad to do an internship. Yeah, all, I'm like, what? Yeah, you know, but that's not our story. And, mm. and you know, again, it's not to harp on, you know, woe is me as an African-American no. or, you know, the the... the issues of slavery coming back to haunt us and all that. It's no. just the reality is that, you know, when you start a race uh, 400 years after everybody else, you may be playing catch up for a minute. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, right. I mean, uh, not not yeah. all those. What you're saying is some of the things aren't accessible or. That's right. Yeah. That's it's, right. it's just I didn't know about internships. I didn't know about yep. studying abroad. I, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just like building your community to where you're able to grow your mind culturally, your, your cultural consciousness and, and getting what the tools you need to succeed. I truly believe exposure brings expansion. And if you're not exposed to anything, it's hard to expand to anything. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Part of our responsibility is, is providing uh, opportunities for kids to see other things, you know, to be able to see that there's more to life and more opportunities to life than what I may have seen, you know, in my small community or in my area. So, and, and, you know, and I know I've mentioned that quite a bit because I know a lot of our athletes come from those backgrounds. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very, you know, I mean, just so many of them, that is their story. That is their reality. And so part of their passion to go back has to do with the fact that they understand this kid. They understand yep. this little boy and the life that he lives, trying to take care of his younger siblings while his mom works two jobs because he lived it himself. And so because of that, that's why it's so real for me. And as much as, you know, we want to help any child and any young person that needs to have mentorship and a role model, it just so happens to be very prevalent among uh, young people of color where the struggle has been so real and it cannot be avoided that we are filling a void through the King movement by saying, hey, we're not only a group of men that are coming into your city or to your area, and we invite boys to see, you know, men just from their, you know, from their general, you know, area of context. These are brothers who live in Atlanta or live in Chicago or live uh, in New York who are, you know, male men and they're, you know, and they are teachers and they are, you know, working in factories and whatever they're doing. And then, you know, they are good role models because these are the jobs and and places of security that you can maintain a home and live in your community. Oh, and by the way, here's so-and-so athlete, you know, one of my guys that I just love, Cedric Sabalos. Here comes Cedric Sabalos, Mm -hmm. former slam dunk champion who was a genius himself. And, you know, he's got 30 years in as an NBA player and NBA analyst, and he can talk to you about everything from – you know, how to how to get into the league to, you know, the struggles of gentrification because he's just that way, you know. And so here right. comes a brother who has something to offer and everybody wants to hear what he has to say because he's a former NBA player who happens to be a slam dunk champion. But he also has a conscious, a consciousness and has something to say. This is ESPN LA. Uh, I'm speaking with Reverend Dr. Joseph Bryant, Jr., executive director of the King Movement. Now, one of the things I talk about on the show, Dr. Brian, is manhood, what it is to be a man. And uh, I know that we're barraged with a whole lot of information of what it takes to be a man. Like, you know, you're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. You're not living your full potential if you're not this way. 
Can you talk about your True Manhood series and some of the teaching that you have in this program? Wonderful, wonderful. I would be happy to talk about True Manhood uh, because, unfortunately, uh, there have been some misunderstandings as to what True Manhood is. Now, mind you, we, we understand that there are a lot of things that comprise you know, what, uh, what a man or what manhood looks like. And so, you know, this, this is just a, 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 a teaching that we give that has some basic elements that we think are uh, important foundational pieces uh, to what manhood needs to look like. And so um, I'm, I'm really grateful, and, and, and we will be sharing uh, this with the world, I, I do want to be cautious and not to give away too much. All right, because we are we are in the process <laughs> as we speak of publishing the material. So you know, I don't want to give it all away. Yes, uh, you know, but but um, you know, just um, if I can just share a, a point or two, um, you know, a, a true man uh, only needs one woman, or at least one woman at a time. Mm. That's a that's a principle that we teach specifically because men struggle with. Uh, and we deal with sexual identity in that teaching when it's an older audience, but from a very basic perspective, mm-hmm. we deal with the fact that for whatever reason, over the years, pe- brothers have assumed that having a wife and a side piece and a mistress and a baby mama and somebody I can call in a pinch uh, is okay. Mm-hmm. And we believe that, you know, part of true manhood is that you're at a point where you are satisfied uh, with who you were with at, at the time, not only because of the respect factor to them, but also respect for yourself, that you right. have enough respect for who you are and the commitments that you make, um, that you're willing to say, I'm really in this relationship. And you can't get the best out of the relationship if you can only give a part of yourself to it. And even if you you know, say, well, this is my woman, but then you've got your mind on three or four other side pieces or whatever, you really won't even get the benefit of that one woman because, you know, you're not investing. And it's, and it's just like going to the ATM. Right. The more money you put in, the more money you can take out. And so if you deposit in the oh, yet at Wells Fargo, Chase, B of A, East West, every <laughs> little liquor store on the corner, you, that, that, you can't withdraw all that money from the same you know, one bank. So therefore, you're going to be coming up short. Right. So, but when you put everything into that one bank, you can always withdraw it. So we teach that, you know, when you do have a woman you're committed to, put all you have into her, and then you're able to reap the benefit of that. And you, um, and and you have more energy because it's like you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you got more energy, right? You more energy. And you also have more more peace because yes. you know the other thing that comes with you know with chasing or pimping or you know being a player or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> it gets complicated yes. because you know you got to remember what you said <laughs> to one and what you said to the other and. And and you got to think about okay, can, you know, did I tell him I'm going this way or who, you know, and yeah. you know, oh, I can't let him see my phone and yeah, oh, it's too much stress. Too God, much. To <laughs> too so much. Who wants to live with that? One yes. of the other things, and I, and I know you know we won't have much time to flesh all this out, but as I said, uh, our website, the King Movement, has some of this information, and we're going to announce the book uh, being released uh, in January, but. Uh, the uh, one of the other principles that I think is really important, Laverne, is the, that we believe that a real man works. I mean, like a job, mm-hmm. like goes and makes money, and does it legally and consistently. We think manhood 
includes taking financial responsibility for yourself and not living off a woman, not, you know, being irresponsible and just, you know, riding around, you know, in a $50,000 car while you still living on somebody's couch. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's responsibility that you have. Obviously, if you have children, to be financially responsible, to take care of them, regardless of the context of your relationship. If you're a father, you need to take financial responsibility. I can't even begin to tell you the tragic stories of deadbeat dads that we consistently get. And I know that issue has been, you know, not talked about nearly as much lately as it did, as it was in the late 90s. It hasn't gone away. It's just we're not talking about it as much because sisters are just handling it and doing the best they can, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. But brothers are still faking and, you know, and hitting and running, as they say, and, you know, mm-hmm. making babies and, and disappearing. And sisters are just being strong and handling what they need to handle. But it's a struggle. It's unfortunate, and it shouldn't be so. And so brothers need to be financially responsible, which means that you've got a job, a legal job, a job that you actually have a tax return for, <laughs> and <laughs> one that you don't have to run from the police. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, so we believe... We believe that, that, that true manhood comes with a, a, a work ethic that brothers understand. you got to handle your business. Yeah. And I also want to mention, you, you know, you're talking about relationships and, you know, having that one person. You also wrote a book, It's Work, But It's Worth It. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> because it is work. Sure did. It is it work. It is work. And, and a lot of people yeah. go into it thinking, you know, a fairy tale land instead of knowing right. that they have right. to do certain things when it's marriage. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, it is work. I mean, there's no doubt it's work. And, and, uh, when I wrote that book, um, you know, I, I was, I was still, I was probably I was maybe five years into my marriage, but I, I, I had been counseling couples and, and doing a lot of work with couples even before I was married. And then when I got married, I started putting principles into action that I had been teaching. And what I found was that it all worked, but it wasn't easy. Yes. (laughs) So so everything I had been telling everybody about what I believed was valuable in terms of how, you know, we value our, you know, our relationship, we prioritize one another, all those good things that I had been telling people, Mm -hmm. it was true. It just wasn't easy. So I, you know, I was actually teaching a workshop and a woman in my, in my class said, gosh, you know, pastor, it's work, but it's worth it. I said, you are absolutely uh. right. That became the onus of my book <laughs> that, you know, uh, here it is, you know, you need to know that um, marriage is, is not easy because none of us are easy people to deal with. Even the mm-hmm. coolest of people and the chillest of people, we all got complications in and about us that make us you know, difficult to deal with in whatever form or fashion. And anytime you have to share space, share life, you have to be able to know um, how to do that in an effective way and and be able to do so successfully. So having a plan, just like in sports and and especially in football, you got to have a game plan, got to have a strategy, you got to have, you know, you got to be able to run the plays in order to win. And so being able to do that, that's what uh, it's worth, but it's worth it does. And we're actually, you know, doing a re-release and a fresh launch of the book uh, during the NBA All-Star uh, weekend in Chicago. And so I'm really uh, excited about that. 
And, uh, yeah, so thanks for mentioning it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it, you can actually go on Amazon and get it today. It, <laughs> it's worth, but it's worth it. It is on Amazon. Yes. We're doing a, a fresh release. We're doing a whole um, event around It's Work But It's Worth It uh, with athletes and, and their families. And, uh, and so we're building that out. So, you know, whatever I can do to be a support. I, I love marriage and I love people enjoying marriage as I do with my beautiful wife uh, of 18 years, Kelly. And, and I want everybody else to be blessed like I am. Oh, fantastic. And I think with that, you know, you talk about family and with the King movement, that is really one part of your foundation. You have all these young men coming together and it is like, you know, it's fellowship, it's family. No doubt, no doubt. And that's the way brothers feel connected. You know, it starts with the older men that have started with the group. You know, some brothers now who started in the prayer group with Chris, you know, eight, nine years ago. And then the brothers that began to have their small groups in various cities around the country, you know, a lot of them are already, you know, fathers, some are even could become grandfathers. They're in their, you know, 40s, some 50s. And so it, it's a family, you know, King is a family. We call it a fellowship, but it is a family. It, it's, it's really a, uh, a group of brothers wherever we may be in whatever context, but we connect as family. And when we have our events with our young men, we take on the responsibility as family. These, you know, these are our little brothers, you know, mm-hmm. and we approach uh, life in that way. And, I, and I've got to say this, too. I really appreciate Chris trusting us to build out the program the way we have and taking his heart and making what he believes and how he is as a man, and as a leader, as a husband and father himself, making that a standard that we try to establish in principle to be transferable. You know, it's one thing to to live something yourself. It's another thing to teach how it's actually being lived out. And so we're taking, you know, the principles obviously from God, but also from very practical things that those of us who have been fathers and husbands for a while are trying to do successfully. And Chris is a great model of that. We want to teach it to others. And then we want to give it to the next generation, our younger brothers and go to every place we are able to go, whether it's a college or a high school, whether it's doing these events around Super Bowl week, or, you know, whenever we're able to go into a city and do an event, connected with 100 black men, whatnot, you know, mentorship and, and influencing the next generation, we really want to be able to do a whole lot of that so we can build up young men and not have to repair older men. We can repair some, but I'd rather build up a, a, a whole group of young men that become the best they can be in their future. So this popped into my head, and I'm saying it because, well, it popped into my head, and obviously I need to say this to you. I was in the line yesterday uh, to get my passport uh, renewed, Mm. and there Mm. was a family in front of me. A father was holding Mm. his son. His son Mm might have been like three or four, small Mm. little boy, and the mother was Mm -hmm. next to them. And the Mm -hmm. son kept hitting the mom. Mm. And then coming back to the father and grabbing his face and pu- pulling it to him and then hitting the mom again. And I'm like, wow, that little boy is very aggressive. What are they teaching this child? Why is he hitting the moms mm. like mm-hmm. that? And then I was watching them. And after a while, I realized that the boy had a hearing issue mm. and his form of communication. What That was he was getting the mom's attention. It's not that he mm-hmm, was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hitting her. Right, right. It, it looked rough, but... Mm-hmm, and then I mm-hmm. go, oh my gosh, I'm I'm a judger. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm sticking my nose into stuff that I don't need to be sticking my nose into. 
but when people look at things from the outside, it's much different from what's mm-hmm. happening on the inside. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the things that you teach is unconditional love and acceptance. Yes. How do yes. you do that when, you know, we are, uh, we have these thoughts in our heads that are maybe misconceptions, misconceptions sure. of a, a, you know, young black male, you know, coming into mm-hmm. an organization. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Great point. And I think your story, um, it, it just feeds and fuels your truth that you're sharing. And that is um, so many times we don't know the whole story. Right. And, and it's, and it's, you know, it's, I think people want to make decisions and oftentimes even judgments based on preconceived and assumptions and, and preconceived notions and whatnot. And, um, and, and I think that scenario is just a good teaching moment for all of us that you never know exactly what's going on. And I, you know, that's a small example. I mean, I, mm-hmm. we can kind of look at it and, and, and chuckle now because you knowing your heart, there was no ill, con- Ill intent to it. It was just you were observing something. And I think, you know, but, uh, most people aren't wired like you where you actually care about people. And, and your concern was if that child had not had a hearing deficiency, what kind of mm-hmm. context is that family in right. where that behavior is acceptable? Right. And that's the bigness of your heart. You know? mm. and, 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 and I think that's where people like you being in the public eye, having a public platform means so much because you have a different perspective on how we should all interpret life. And that is from the place where our hearts are open to see and to know that, you know, everyone's going through something. Everyone's dealing with something. Regardless of what they look like or come from, everyone's going through something. So the question becomes, how can I contribute to a situation without um, judgment and be a asset or resource if I'm invited to or I need to do. And I think that's, right. that's really the message. It's, it's, you know, can I, I'm just going to love you. So when people come to our events, when we have, you know, whether it's something we're doing at a college or something we're doing at a restaurant or we're going into a visit or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. chapters around the country that we have in Cleveland and New York and Charlotte, they go into schools and they read to kids and they do things with young people. I mean, their, their presence automatically speaks. And then we, you know, are able to encourage those that go into these settings that when you go in, you just love them. You know, yes. you just go in and love them because you don't know the history. So you don't know why this child is acting this way or being this way. And you, you do the best you can um, to encourage them to be the best they can be. And you do so without judgment. And then when we are able to take deeper dives into scenarios and we, you know, are doing our classes and we have some reflective time and different things, of course, we can see other scenarios may be happening or things may be shared. But from the outset, you know, it's all about love. We start with love and and then we kind of take it from there. So unconditional love and acceptance, and especially among people that need it and need it badly. Dr. Bryant, talk about the podcast and how we are able to access it. <laughs> All right, here we go. So um, I'm going to continue. I mean, I, I don't think I've said it enough. So <laughs> I've, I'm going to ask Chris and the rest of the movement to forgive me. You need to go to kingmovement.com. You need to go there right now. You need to go to kingmovement.com and sign up. You need to sign up to, to be a subscriber to uh, everything that we put out. 
which includes uh, our information on our events, but it also includes the podcast, and there are podcasts that you can go to uh, on the website. There, there, there are links there. You can click and go back and hear some of the amazing messages that are already there. But uh, my instruction I give to the other leaders in the organization, I haven't been obedient to myself. So let me do it right now. Please, ladies and gentlemen, go to kingmovement.com and, uh, and take advantage of everything that is already there on kingmovement.com, and you'll be able to click uh, and grab a hold of uh, our table talks, uh, our king talks, with, you know, so many amazing leaders that are doing amazing work, and, uh, and we're just grateful for the speakers, for all the guys that, that are a part of the podcast. You can follow us on social media, follow us uh, on Instagram, follow us uh, on Twitter and Facebook as well. Uh, King Movement is, is universally used in all of those areas, and uh, the podcasts are right there for you to grab on the website. You can also go to King Scholar Programs, kingscholarprograms.com, and what you'll find there is the upcoming events that we're doing in mentoring. So that's King oh, Scholar Programs, kingscholarprograms.com, uh, and you can go there, and you will see the huddle that's coming up at Florida Memorial. You will see um, uh, the, the information on our mentor program. You'll see the information about the HBCUs, uh, that we are uh, engaging, and there's going to be a list there of the tour. Uh, we are going to announce the tour in January. And so, again, all the great information will be on kingmovement.com and kingscholarprograms.com. Check us out. We'll be right there. Or you can email at king at kingmovement.com. Fantastic. It's always an inspiration to talk to you. I'm always inspired. And I thank you so much for sharing your time, your commitment and love for our community. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for having me. Any and every time you ask, I will always be available to you. And I really thank you (laughs) so much. And uh, again, continued blessings and success. You're just an amazing, amazing uh, voice and uh, person that is uh, meaningful to our community, meaningful to, to, to the media format mm-hmm. that you utilize because you have such a huge heart and it comes through in everything you say and everything you do. Oh. So God bless you. Continue to say. Thank you so much. Reverend and Dr. Joseph Bryant, Jr., Executive Director of King Movement. Thanks again. Thank you. ESPN LA 710. King Movement, empowering men to reach their God-given potential in every realm of life. For more information, please log on to kingmovement.com or kingscholarprograms.com for more events, local mentoring activities and engagement, career job training and development, and STEM education. I'm LaFern Cusack. This is ESPN LA 710. ESPN LA 710.